Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Digital Noir Presents, the podcast loosely based around life in a digital studio. I'm your host, Sam. I've got my co-host with me today, Nicholas Bozic. Hi, guys. Christo Mabs. G'day. And we've got an awesome guest today, Michelle Pearson, the cabaret cook. She's got a really interesting event happening at Tasting Australia this year, and uh, we had a really cool chat with her last week. So we're going to jump in, chatting about one of our favourite wineries, Fox Creek. Enjoy. And at the time, we were running these things called like the Ruby Awards and the ABAF Awards together. And they were basically celebrating like arts partnerships and Fox Creek were the main sponsor. Cool. And that was, I reckon, 12 years ago. That was when they first started sponsoring the arts and now they're really right in the arts, obviously, like yeah. with the garden yeah, yeah, and sure. fringe and all yeah, like that. the paintings yeah, so, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So, we, so that's probably my fault that they give so much money to the arts. <laughs> that was my job. <laughs> but they're great. They're really good people. Helen seems like a really interesting woman. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. And they've got the new learning centre okay. there. Have you been there recently? Um, up to Fox Creek? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've been into where they have the, yeah, so off the side where they have the uh, the boardroom and the... Yeah, and the, yeah, sure. yeah. So they're calling mm. it the Helen Watts Learning Centre, yeah, sure. which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 Oh. No, it's... Uh, they're lovely people. So we, I'm based down south. So, um, but oh. I sort of Kristen knows my my folks there in Wollonga. So, ah, um, okay. She, yeah, she's she's there lovely. You go. Yeah. yeah, I went. Yeah, I went about two weeks ago to do a video. It's so good, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Vixen. It yeah. is a vixen. Yeah, Vixen's, you have to be really Vixen's your favorite. Yeah, yeah. Vixen's my home yeah, too. Same. We've got a bottle in the fridge at the moment. Oh, you nice. just see it every day. You're like, yeah. oh, wait for yeah, the weekend. Pop that. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's red, but it's refreshing and bubbly. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> The Barossa breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> cool. So, um, yeah, I, I suppose it's really interesting as a concept, Michelle, like what you're working on with Taste in Australia. Um, tell us a bit more about, about the cabaret and about how you worked food into that. Well, uh, I, I've always loved cooking. Like I've always loved just to cook and to feed people. I'm very much like having people over and I love like food culture and I love MasterChef and I even will sometimes watch my kitchen rules. I can't even like really get into it. Um, And I've always been a singer. So I've just always done that. And I guess I started doing cabaret, I reckon probably seven years ago. And I kind of liked it because it was, I guess, more of a storytelling foray for Mm -hmm. me. And I could actually you know explore some different themes rather than just sing you know like either just straight songs sure um and for me i i've never been much of a songwriter like i can songwrite but i'm i generally like to do the cabaret style because you can basically take a song and change it and i guess change the entire feeling or theme of it and Mm. i really like that but I've always wanted to put them together. I always thought, like, wouldn't it be great if there could be, like, a cooking show where they sing? <laughs> and I spoke to a lot of people, like, oh, I'm thinking of doing this show. And they said, oh, that's great. Why don't you do a show about food but don't cook anything because it's too hard? Sure. And I was like, no, 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 that's not going <laughs> to um, And so everyone was like, you're crazy. You'll never, like, how are you going to do it? And I was like, well, I haven't worked that out yet, but I'll figure it out. And I did it over a year. I worked on it for quite some time okay. and I developed it, like, over and over and over again. And I had a mentor who, like, was a cabaret artist here uh, called Amelia Ryan and she um, had won lots of awards. And so she really helped me kind of, like, take my thoughts from big to small yeah. and kind of put them out on paper and write a script properly and everything and sure. you know time things because 
if you're singing and you start talking too much, like I'm doing right now, uh, <laughs> you end up burning something where like you have to actually <laughs> yeah, time yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, at that point, stop talking and go back to the pan. Yeah. And yeah, so um, so we ended up just rehearsing it a few times. And I guess once the musicians came on board and I ended up getting a cook as well to help me plate, I guess, what I was cooking. Sure. Um, for the audience, I it all just came together and I still can't believe that we're doing it because it's all a bit like, it's really hard to explain to people. People mm. go, so what, so you're a cook and you're a singer and you sing about food. Like, do you sing Italian arias about spaghetti and th- like, no, no, no. It's basically our experiences with food. So it's about, you know, love and loss, romance. It's quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's about fear. It's about, um, you know, human connection and the art of dining. You know, sure. there's a little few references to like wanky food culture in there and smears and foams and things like that. But, yeah, like George Columbaris and his little things he says on MasterChef. Sure. Like, yeah. The little serving he does. Okay. Yeah, with his tweezers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do, yeah. you, do, you, do you pair the, the music to the food? Like yeah, we kind of do. Yeah. yeah. So a really good, like a really literal example of what we do uh, is we basically like I'll, I'll talk about, you know, how, how we've come here, you know, what, what, what comfort food cabaret is about for us. And then, you know, we actually start, sometimes we start with a story about, you know, like me being a fussy kid and never really getting over the the pairing of um, savoury and fruit. So, like, ham and pineapple pizza (laughs) just freaks me out. I really find it. I really struggle with it. And it actually stems back to an awkward teenage encounter, which I talk about that, without a doubt, has scarred me for life about, you know, a first kiss where I went to his house as, like, a 16-year-old girl and his parents cooked me apricot chicken Mm -hmm. and I was just so freaked out by it. (laughs) And then, so we we basically then weave a song, like, we we weave the song at last uh, through that that whole story of that journey of, like, getting there, looking good, everything going well and then them asking me if I like apricot chicken and then having to eat the apricot chicken and, (laughs) and then, you know, the first kiss and all that tension building and then, you know... Um, unfortunately, you know, him, you know, still having apricot chicken stuck in his braces during, <laughs> during our first kiss. So, like, it all kind of weaves in. Um, so, we, we, are, we are talking about food, but it's more the experience that food and dining leads you to. So, we don't really sing, you know, like Italian aries about spaghetti mm, or something. Actual food, yeah. 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 But isn't it interesting, I suppose, how, like, both food and music can take you back to it? Mm. Yeah, a memory. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what it's about. Yeah. It's all about, you know, they're two mediums that are quite inspiring for mm. people and obviously now we're in an age where people love MasterChef and they love reality to cooking TV shows and that's sure. obviously everyone's doing that at the moment and so people are really interested in maybe being better cooks mm-hmm. but they also love music. They love performance and so putting them together, they're quite inspiring for people, but also they really do lead you back to memories. So, and we talk about that a lot. Like I talk about, you know, cooking with my nana growing up and, you know, like, you know, how you always expect, um, you know, to know certain recipes because your family knows them, but you actually don't know them. Like <laughs> I grew up in a Lebanese household okay. um, and my, like my mum's side of Lebanese and we just never had any Lebanese food, like ever. And we lived there for like, eight years and we just never had any Lebanese food so now I love it I'm always like oh Lebanese food let me you know so it's almost you know but we talk about that in the show and why that was and everything and yeah so yeah yeah, we just we explore lots of different things Mm -hmm. I talk about 
you know, meeting my um, my now husband, uh, you know, and, you know, the, the food that he cooked me mm-hmm. on our first date and, like, just being so blown away by this guy cooking me this amazing meal and yeah. like and so you know we go into real t- yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was really good he doesn't and people go oh he's so lucky so you guys share the cooking like oh no that was like a once off i do all the cooking <laughs> yeah do you actually cook the food while you're telling the story yeah yeah okay. we do so then yeah. like the smell comes out yeah. when you're actually explaining it yeah 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 oh, so right. we, we we cook a three-course meal during the show yeah and we basically serve that to the audience so okay. a lot of the cooking mm. i'll do during the day so if we're doing like a, a pasta sauce yeah. or something i'll cook the sauce during the day sure and then my cook will plate that but yeah. pasta is one of the hardest things to do in our show because like there's lauren there trying to um like drain like ridiculous amounts no. of pasta, <laughs> yeah. like, elegantly. and you know, like elegantly without making yeah. lots and lots of noise. But but that's really good. And we've actually tried it where we put Lauren and my cook is a, a school friend of mine, mm-hmm. and I actually chose her because I wanted her. I wanted somebody who could cook like with heart, you know, but isn't an actual chef or a cook. Sure. And so she's Maltese. And I remember being a kid and like hanging out at her house and her mum would always just feed us all this Maltese food. Mm-hmm. And I remember that really well. So I was like, well, I bet you Lauren can do it too. And then we go to her house and like she can feed a lot of people all at once. And I was like, that is what I want. I want someone like that yeah. who can kind of get into the show. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, And so we ended up... Um, yeah, getting her along to do it. But we've tried it before where we've had her like in a kitchen out the back where no one could kind of see her. And then she brings out the plates like all elegantly and everything. And it actually takes away from the show because there's actually a real buzz about seeing Lauren like, you know, quickly, like, you know, quickly move around halloumi in a pan because mm-hmm. it's burning shit like oh <laughs> shit like and you hear it yeah. like ow like yeah. burning herself yeah. it's actually there's a real, real yeah, yeah and it is like you know and if you were sitting in a kitchen like in a restaurant and there's chefs like swearing at each other and telling each other off and like yes chef you know and like yeah. i've got you know this many covers or something <laughs> that that actually all adds to that tension um sure. and so that is a real really big part of what we do and we've i guess we've learned that by taking it away and then going no we actually want that yeah, sure. I think that's something with those shows that has kind of, you know, that, that curtain's kind of been lifted mm. and people are more interested they in love what that. is behind mm. the scenes as opposed to it yeah. sort of being, here's your beautiful food. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So everyone sees what we do. We do cook a three-course meal and we serve that in, you know, to the audience. So in Fringe, we'll do it as a small taste so everyone will get like a taste of everything we do. How many people are you having in the... In Fringe, we can have up to about 80. Yeah. But but when... Yeah, so that's why we do tastes. But everyone this year, they were booking to go out for dinner afterwards Mm -hmm. and they were all cancelling because we (laughs) feed really generous tastes. So, like, you're getting getting like two pieces of halloumi and then you're getting... We did a beautiful, like, pulled lamb this year, like a slow-cooked lamb with, like, a baharat, which is a Lebanese spice with a salad. Beautiful. And that was really yummy. And then we did a chocolate mousse as well. And so people were just like, oh, I'm stuffed. I don't (laughs) want any more food by the end of it. So, But they kind of eat on their laps. Like, we've got, you know, debt pack giving us disposable boats and things. Uh Whereas in Tasting Australia, we do it more refined. So we sit at long tables and... We have really nice wine and mm, it's all matched yeah. and people eat off actual plates mm. with forks and <laughs> like, you know, we've you got tablecloths. roaming around? Sort of? Well, no, I'll probably set myself up a stage as yeah. well. Mm. So I'll, but I'll probably will roam around because it's quite a long, we're doing it at Crack Kitchen yeah, okay, um, sure. on Franklin Street. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's quite a long kind of skinny cafe. Sure. 
So I get the feeling I might be standing on a stair kind of singing, yeah. <laughs> Hope, hopefully not falling off. Um, but, yeah, I have to somehow be able to cook because I demo everything we do mm-hmm. as well. So, okay. yeah. yeah. Do, do you sing with music or do you just kind of just sing? Like no, um, excuse me. I, um, I have a, a musical director called um, Aaron Nash mm-hmm. and he's been with me from the beginning. I like to call him my well-fed musician because he literally eats everything. <laughs> like he's like, is there any more lamb left? Is there any more yeah. halloumi left? Like, oh, what's for dinner? What's what's the menu? Like, he wants to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he now cooks as well when we're, like, under the pump. He's like, I can do the halloumi because awesome. I've been doing it for years. <laughs> so he knows how to do it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he plays keys. And in my original year, my first year, which was last year, we had a bass player as well. But oh, wow. okay. he's now a policeman, so yeah. he can't yeah. do it. <laughs> he wants to do it. He came along the night and we got him up to cook and he's a very good looking guy and all the ladies, but there's like obviously all these middle-aged ladies there that night and they were like, <laughs> oh, he's gorgeous. <laughs> Does he come in the uniform? You're like, all right, calm down. It's all different. <laughs> Everything gets a bit rowdy on the last night. Yeah. But, um, but he would love to keep doing it. So we might keep adding to that. Um, my husband's a, a percussionist, so okay. I'd love to eventually build in the balance of having um, like some percussion in the show mm. but done on kitchen utensils. Yeah, That's what I'd really like, like pots. <laughs> yeah. And like it is funny, Lauren doesn't realise she does it but whenever I'm telling this certain story, she's seasoning mm-hmm. and the, the, the grinder oh, yeah, like is actually rhythm, like yeah. a real, it's a real percussion yeah. instrument and oh, you're like, yeah. and it's like, can you do that here, yeah. not there? Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's but, the whole but yeah, but it's really loud and yeah. people can see it and everything. So uh-huh. it'd be great if there was like a, a bit where it's like, ch, ch, yeah. you know, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah, you can sync up the yeah. cooking. With that yeah, cooking. that'd yeah. be really good. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to check out any other Taste in Australia events yourself? Yeah, I'm hoping to. Um, hoping to, I reckon, I love the idea of the um, the glass house and there's like a wine disco going on as yeah, well, which <laughs> was really cool. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah I, love, I love Tasting Australia. Like I really like it. And last year I just hung out in the town square like yeah. every weekend, even weekdays, just took my laptop, just sat there eating mm-hmm. and drinking, which is a pretty good office. Yeah, it was a really good setup, I thought. Like, it is, we, yeah. We walked down a couple of times last year and just had lunch, but it, yeah, it was a really, like had a sort of festive air to it. And, and it's got a real buzz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. beautiful food too. Like, yeah. Absolutely. From a catering perspective, like it was really mm. well set up. Yeah, a lot of nice like barbecues. And yeah, absolutely. Charcoal. We, yeah, we were really surprised to get into Tasting Australia because mm. I just thought like there's no way they're going to program some girl who sings and cooks comfort food. <laughs> like because we're not chefs or anything. Mm. Yeah. But, um, you know, we got in and we we're like, oh, wow, okay, mm. that's good. And I don't think there was any expectation that we would sell very well based mm. on their feedback of like just schedule one show and see how you go and mm. we went well based on our last year we're selling out every show we do yeah so we think we'll be right and then we have like so that's really good um, mm. and it's a really good opportunity to us because we then can we can do an arts festival but we can also do a food festival so that kind of opens up our audience as yeah, well definitely. so that's sure. really good have you taken it interstate or anywhere else yet? Yeah, so we've taken it to Melbourne. Okay. So we did the Melbourne Fringe. And to be honest, Melbourne Fringe isn't our audience. Like, to be honest, actually fringe audiences are difficult because they so want like $20 shows yeah. and mm-hmm. this includes food. Yeah. So even Adelaide Fringe this year, we lost money, um, but we're charging $50 a ticket. But mm. we've got two cooks. We've got a musician. We've got 80 people to feed. Like, yeah, yeah. it's hard. Venue yeah, hire, oven. Like, we're hiring like a 
a, like a conviction oven at like seventeen hundred dollars for a month. Like yeah. it's hard. Like it is yeah. tricky. But um, but you know that. But that. But that's fine. That's all good. And we we actually do fringe to open up our audiences for shows like this, which mm-hmm. where we actually can make some money off of it. Yeah. Um, so that's just audience development for us. But I guess with Melbourne, we took it to the fringe, and we could not find a venue anywhere. And I'm just thinking, how am I going to cook in like a hotel or apartment, and then take all of our pasta sauce and everything (laughs) to our venue so we actually looked at hub in melbourne i thought maybe because they've got like a really open kitchen i thought maybe that would work and then i just had this idea like why don't we just hire a really shit hot penthouse and have it in the penthouse Mm -hmm. and so we asked like a hundred airbnb owners and no everyone's like no way there's (laughs) not a chance you're doing that and it probably sounded really dodge and it's like no no this is serious like look at all my pictures like we're not we're not having a swingers party or anything um and we found this guy who used to live in tail and bend so we call him tony from tail and bend and he owns this great really porny probably late 80s penthouse in south bank and it is just like the most incredible views over the arts center and he was like yeah yeah sure it costs like a lot of money but mm-hmm. it ended up being cheaper for us to stay where we were performing mm-hmm. and we had like this incredible place and it had like shag pile rugs and wow. <laughs> like i've never seen that many cupboards like mm-hmm. it was that had a rid- <laughs> like the walk-in wardrobe is bigger than my house like it was wow. ridiculous what? but it was amazing it was really really cool mm-hmm. and so we ended up doing these dinner party shows there and we actually did a full dinner and Fox Creek actually sponsored us for that. And oh, so cool. their wines were coming over. And we got mm. we got less Vixen because we were like, oh, Vixen's a real SA thing. No one will like it. Yeah. Everyone was like, whoa, it's just this huge party every night. Yeah. And one, one funny thing that happened once, it was like we would make it really nice. So we'd like set it up like a full dinner, like tables beautifully set tablecloths being ironed before people were getting there like really really nice I would wear like an evening gown and I'd wait at the lift and we're on the 18th floor mm-hmm. and this couple came through and a guy was trying to like impress his wife for her birthday and he called up and he goes you're sold out I know but I just really really want you know to bring her mm-hmm. I said oh, that's all right I can probably fit 42 in because we we're doing 40 a night mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, we'll do that. And, you know, he, he stepped out the lift with her and there's me with some French champagne, like, oh, hello, welcome, you know, or something. And she was really like, where are we? Like, <laughs> what is going on? And she was so uncomfortable. And it was just such a, it was such a long walk from the lift to the, to the shag pole rug. And she saw it and she went, I told you I don't want to go to a swingers party. Like, what have you done? She's like nudging him and he's like, it's not. And then I'd say, no, no, this is like a a musical cabaret dinner and she was like what that's ridiculous and like she walked in and there's tables she went oh that's so good that's such a relief <laughs> but yeah we started to realize that's what it kind of looked like yeah. um but yeah it was really good it was great melbourne was really good for us and like we just we just didn't think that we'd be able to get audiences we our tickets were selling so badly at the beginning and then i did a couple of radio interviews and I, they just sold. And I had so many mm-hmm. people say, oh, we heard you on Triple R. And I just never knew that radio in Melbourne was such a big <laughs> yeah, medium cool. for yeah, advertising. Yeah. But oh, it obviously yeah. is. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and that's how people found out about it. So we had lots of tourists. We had lots of fringe lovers, food lovers. Oh, so we'll right. definitely go back to Melbourne. We did three nights. Probably saw about 110 people in that yeah. time. Cool. It was good. Hectic, though. <laughs> I think that kind of like... You know, experiential things that is something that people kind of crave these days. I think it's mm. a bit different. Mm. Yeah, over in the UK for a number of years, and, and that kind of like secret dinner party scene mm. was really big there. 
which still doesn't seem to have taken off in a, in a big way in Australia. No. Like, not with the... But the, they, there was people that worked theatre into it as well and they had like yeah. ro- rotating chefs that would come and sort of, you know, really talk through what they were doing. And yeah. It was, it was quite a big big thing. But Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's, it's good because I feel like there's so much opportunity. Like you could do it anywhere and people like it. Mm-hmm. Like they just love the idea of yeah. music and food and, you know, like we're not we don't do pretentious food we do like really accessible food you know we do pies and pasta Mm -hmm. and like slow cooked meats and things but people like it Mm -hmm. and that's what we do like we do a really mean sticky date pudding nice yeah good (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so what what is comfort food to you then like uh comfort food like i guess the philosophy for me behind it food philosophy Mm -hmm. listen to that um i reckon it's more about food that like makes you feel good and maybe that's maybe it's healthy maybe it's um mm-hmm. just because you're tired and you just or you're cold you know when you're cold and you just feel like a bowl of pasta like comfort yeah, food yeah, my yeah. comfort food is pasta like i could eat it all yeah, the time yeah, but i here. just try not <laughs> I to that every single day yeah <laughs> i just love pasta um or asian food like you know vietnamese food like a you know sure. yeah like a beef pho or something would be amazing mm-hmm. that'd be really yummy like you know so just yummy food that makes you feel good is comfort food it doesn't have to be healthy it can be healthy but you know it's not generally fancy it's not something you wait a long time for mm-hmm. either yeah, i feel sure. like for me it's often food you just can eat with a fork or a spoon you know, yeah one yeah hand yeah, yeah or sit on the couch yeah. in the corner just yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. one hand of food that's yeah. great that's a really good way to put it what what are your favorite comfort foods so um, i always like to know this pa- pasta is a big one yeah um i i've got nick's got a, a thai background but i, mm-hmm. I cooked a, a chicken holy basil what's the thai name for it Nick? pad kapow yeah kapow. oh yum pad kapow. yeah but okay. yeah holy basil chicken that's mm. that, that, those kind of casseroles like yeah i, I love goulash mm-hmm. like a hung, good hungarian goulash with like yeah. gravy beef dumb you know yeah s- slow yum yeah, that kind of stuff. What about you? What's your comfort food? Oh yeah, maybe I don't know. Definitely pasta. I eat way too much of that. Like yeah, pad, pad thai <laughs> as well. Always good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like yeah. Least, definitely yeah. sticky date pudding as well. Yeah. I like cakes. Cakes. Yeah, cakes. yeah. yeah. I'm not a big cake person. Cheesecake. I could miss yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, my 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 wife cooks like a cheesecake about once oh, once a week. Yeah, oh, once a week. Yeah, once a week. Wow, that's Jeez. pretty lucky. So it's either a, like a Japanese cheesecake, you know, the really fluffy one, or like a New York oh, cheesecake. Wow. Okay, so, wait, yeah, wait. you guys are like, yeah. why don't we get to put it with cheesecake? My, my wife's a, well, a, a pastry chef and I get a cheesecake like once a year. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> there you <up>. go. <laughs> Trading wives. <laughs> For cheesecake, oh, no. sure. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've always loved like, cooking for people and I guess probably when I met my husband about five, six years ago, I started probably really coming into the interest more and I was just more into it and I started trying new things with food. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're with a partner who has really similar food tastes to you, you start to like just get really good at, you know, and I was just constantly just knocking out all these dishes. So a friend said to me in the lead up to Comfort Food Cabaret, why don't you make an Instagram page? And I was like, oh, I can't be bothered. I just have so like, I have already have to do with Facebook, like do I... And he was like, no, no, just do it. And I, my cousin, who was 15 years old at the time, started me off and said, oh, you know, no, no, food's like... So she just took a photo of something and made an Instagram page. And I thought, all right, we'll give it a go. And it's amazing how, as time went went on, it was like, okay, we're just going to keep um, 
putting food posts up and I look at them from 2014 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of what I put up to now and you're like, wow, I used to put up some really shitty looking things. (laughs) 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 I obviously know how to use a filter now (laughs) or do it, but, but, um, or like know how to take a photo. But, um, we started naming like stew, my husband, lucky stew. So there's a hashtag called lucky stew. You can look it up. (laughs) Um, and I'm always getting like teased about it, but whenever I cook something for him, he gets like lucky stew. And so at our wedding, his best man ended up reading out like a speech and basically summarising all of my meals over the last year. <laughs> lucky stews. The whole crowd was like, lucky stews. So there's this whole thing of like when we go to a party, his friends go, oh, how's lucky stew going? What have you eaten this week? <laughs> so, yeah. so Trending hashtag. Trending hashtag, lucky stew. Yeah, yeah. Because they're always really yummy things and decadent things on like a Monday night when you're generally oh. just having chicken and veg or something. <laughs> So, yeah, oh, checking it out. That's one. That's a nice one. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that was an old one. <laughs> <laughs> I had a you similar experience though. Like I, I, used, I grew up in a household where food was really important. And I grew up eating great food. But then I suppose in my you know, early 20s, I didn't really care mm. that much. But then when I met my now wife, but I, you know, once you're cooking for somebody and you've got that sort of, I suppose, someone that can, you can bounce off and, and they enjoy it and you... I suppose you're providing, yeah, like yeah. comfort and, and provide, mm. you know, giving that. Yeah. Sort of, you get that joy. Out. I think I, you know, I was spending a long time cooking something, and I really wanted to someone else to be happy. Like I, I usually am upset with it for some reason, you know. Mm. I don't think it's right, you know. I'm a perfectionist, yeah. but it's that sort of yeah, joy mm. of giving as opposed mm. to you know, just cooking it. Yeah, filling yourself up. Absolutely, and I always say that like it is a real. Um, it's a generosity like it's the way people it's the way I show Mm -hmm. my love and my generosity to people I like to cook for them and like you know I love having people over that's my favorite thing to do Mm -hmm. and even if like the meal isn't you know amazing like it's just that act of eating together and connecting over food that's one of my favorite things to do so yeah yeah my my, uh, kitchen was getting redone (laughs) well it finished recently but it took about six months because the trace people were hopeless oh, wow. yeah. but yeah like it was it was horrible during that time mm. like it felt like we were camping every day you had to eat outside we, had to yeah. c- we moved the stove in the backyard and like you know even the yeah. slightest wind it would just blow up the flame oh that is and so annoying it, <laughs> it was just like is a living fin- hell is it finished now it's finished now nice. yeah, yeah. Yes. i have a tiny Island little kitchen i have a really little like i have a we live in an original mid-century house like um and it's like a tiny little 1960s kitchen and it is like we have a Fahrenheit oven like an original Metas Fahrenheit (laughs) oven it's beautiful so good and when we had that statewide blackout I was like I'm fine I've got my gas oven (laughs) it's going really well everything's on gas I'm fine Um, but you know everyone always walks in like like, how do you cater how do you do this in this kitchen it's like you just get really used to this space I think if I had a really big kitchen I probably would love it but Mm -hmm. it would take me a while to get used to actually working in it Mm because you're like you know, you become really accustomed to what you've got around mm-hmm. you and your space and your utensils and your wooden spoon or whatever that is, yeah. I think you can use space creatively as well. Mm. We bought a house a couple of years ago and the kitchen's not great. It's probably the, the rest of the house is amazing, yeah. the kitchen's... And that's where we spend most of our time. Yeah. But then just by, yeah, putting the things you need most close yeah. to you and, you know, having yeah. it kind of set up in a sort of a minimalist way, I suppose. Mm. It's cosy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely cosy. And, and you look yeah. at a lot of, like, kitchens in, you know commercial kitchens mm. outside of you know your sort of fancy restaurants they're, yeah. they're pretty pokey yeah. they are yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. i'm always really surprised yeah. like you know i always walk one of my favorite restaurants is chianti was that you know pasta oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but you always walk I've past there. Their, their their kitchen yeah. 
And you, I always just kind of sneak, like sneak a little look. And it's quite small. Yeah, like for yeah. what they put out, like it's some of the best food I've ever had in Adelaide, yeah. I think. And you go, how do they do that in there? Yeah. Like, well, there's just no work, room. I used to work in an Indian restaurant actually and um, called Jasmine on High Marsh Square. Oh, that's um, delicious. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was really cool. But um, I think when they started out, they just had the upstairs and the kitchen there was built to serve about 30 people at most. And oh, they wow. renovated downstairs and we have some nights with, you know, 200, 250 people. Oh, it gets God. pretty tight. Yeah, that's it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah, that is so, yeah. But that's right. You work with what you've got, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you do. I, I think it's often better to have sort of less and, and get the most out of it than having yeah. a sort of big gleaming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. It's when you're catering that things get a bit tricky, but... Yeah, we, we make do. We and so you it. do a bit of catering as well? Yeah, I do a bit. Like I don't – I thought maybe the start of last year after we kind of debuted Comfort Food Cabaret, I thought, oh, maybe I'll really get into this. But catering just probably I, – I, it's really hard work and it's hard to actually make a good living off of it. Yeah. So I'm probably more of a small batch caterer where I'd like to try and, you know, just do – like small, and I can see what you're trying, trying to do there quietly. This, we're going to have that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not going to be quiet. You need a new bottle opener for the podcast, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it actually goes for too long, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I better quit air for this one. <laughs> yeah, do it before cool. it starts. <laughs> there you go. Very vocal. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It was actually a gift from the office to me on my birthday. It's a Batman bottle opener. Yeah, yeah. It goes for way too long. Yeah, there you go. It's finished. Oh, there you go. It's yeah, a, no, so I do a bit of catering. It is a tough gig catering, yeah, though. Catering is hard. Like, I can probably do... Like, during this season of Cup of Food Cabaret, I did a, um, a wedding at for 100 people in Largs and I was just like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Like, this is so much work. Like a hundred, Weddings. A lot yeah, of pressure. Yeah. Um, I was like, I can't, no, nah, never again. Like, I'll, I'm happy to do smaller things but yeah. it's just too hard and that's fine. Like, I don't necessarily want to be a full-time caterer because then it basically takes me away from singing. Mm. So sure. there's always that balance of like we're doing a lot of weddings. I was just speaking about that before, singing a lot of weddings, singing a lot, singing a lot of, you know, Van Morrison, Brown Eyed Girl and, nice. you know, Bruno Mars mm-hmm. and a lot of Ed Sheeran at the moment because it's <laughs> the new like top thing at weddings to sing. Yeah. And so you get a bit sick of that. You get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, do I have to do another wedding this weekend? <laughs> and so then you get a catering gig and you're like, oh, Good, it's, it's great. And then you do too much catering. You're like, oh, I really want to sing some more Bruno Mars <laughs> at a wedding. <laughs> so it is good. Like I guess Comfort Food Cabaret at the start of the year sets us up for a lot of work because people go, oh, could you do this, you know, for my Christmas party? And we're really good. We, we talk about what we do um, out of this and that we actually can do Comfort Food Cabaret in people's homes. So we'll do like a smaller version of it. And we'll often make it look like the host is like hired like a jazz duo and okay. they're just singing they're, they're just playing yeah and people walk in and i'll have some staff and we'll serve drinks and some canapes and they're like oh isn't this lovely you know blah, blah, blah. and they'll just think i'm the cook they just don't <laughs> have any idea and then after entree i'll just go go to a microphone and start singing and they love and they're like oh my god the cook's singing <laughs> like, so, and the, the the real like theater to it and yeah, so they yeah, they yeah. really like that and that's really popular yeah, cool. so we kind of spend our time doing that and that's a really nice balance because you're not really stuck doing one thing you know you don't get sick of it too quickly because yeah and that's really good fun so okay. tasting australia yeah. is always a like writing. a new yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot of yeah a lot of cooking a lot of writing a lot of um a lot of singing mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of time <laughs> on my feet <laughs> do you do like 
covers of songs but you tweak the lyrics to change it yeah, to food yeah we do one one good one that just came so naturally was um tina arena's chains and we turned it into hunger pains oh, nice. yeah and that and that that's pretty funny people go oh that's that's good and we try not to do too much of that because sometimes it makes it all feel a bit cheap like if yeah. you do every song sure. that mm-hmm. all the lyrics are changed to like you know there's no light and shade yeah, but we, um, our Yankovic kind of yeah <laughs> yeah so we like to try and you know like we have definitely light and shade in our show like am I I've, I was mentioning to you on the phone recently that my dad passed away earlier this year from cancer and one of the big themes in the show is the connection of dining and I actually talk about you know how losing him really made me like realize the the act of dining and it's something we actually take for granted a lot like a lot of people don't like you know we'll go home have dinner with our partners Mm. or our friends or housemates or you know just have lunch with each other and we we just do it we don't ever think about isn't this nice to actually be able to do this but I guess when you're sick with a disease like cancer it Mm. kind of takes away your appetite Mm. so that just went out the window for him he just stopped going for dinner like Mm. we'd stop having kind of family dinners and stuff like that so that was really difficult to see and that I always talk about in the show how um, I felt really helpless because I couldn't show my generosity anymore because he was so sick he didn't mm-hmm. want to eat. Yeah. So sure. I'd often, you know, like for my, my grandpa's 90, I'm always like, do you want me to cook you some meals and I'll bring them to the brosser? And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm, he's like a great cook and he's always gallivanting around the Barossa Valley to <laughs> different people's houses and having right. dinner. So, but, you know, that's kind of a way we do show our love and generosity. So when someone's sick and that kind of goes away, things change. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so in the show we do have that light and shade. We talk about some of, like, the really sad things like that and then, you know, kind of have the funny things about first kisses and, yeah. you know, funny encounters, hunger pains, like going to the gym, like, in like prior to the wedding, I was like going to the gym a lot more and making sure I looked really good <laughs> and, uh, and you know, making sure I wasn't eating, you know, too much naughty stuff. And yeah, so that's how hunger pains came along because I was just like, oh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> I just got some food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I was driving yesterday and a song came on a, uh, some playlist on Spotify, but mm. it, it was a track that I used to listen to when I was like 19, but I was a pizza delivery driver then. <laughs> but literally the song came on and I just had the smell of like the, you know, the cardboard yeah. you know, the mm, pizza in the car. Yeah, it was just yum. like, like pizza, <laughs> yeah, but it just like came back. It was, Isn't that it was amazing? Really odd. Like yeah. It really hit me hard. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It does, doesn't it? 1983, yeah. Red Camera. <laughs> 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 I always found that it helped me study songs. Yeah, me too. Because yeah. when, yeah. when I'm reading like a particular chapter mm. and listen to a song, I, I think about that song and then all of it just comes back to me. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually remember that, everything. From that's the great. That's yeah. a really good way to study then, yeah. if you can do that. Yeah, it's always a, they're both really moving mediums, I guess. So yeah. they work, you know, in whatever way you want to use mm. it. Yeah, so yeah. it's always good. So how did you get into to music? Like, it's obviously been a big part of your life. Yeah, I think I've always just been like one of those kids who just was like, look at me, look at me, look at me, I'm doing this now, I'm doing that now. So eventually my mum and dad went, oh, like just put her in singing lessons. Yeah. And then it turned out, oh, you can actually sing, like you're actually really good. And so then I went through like other kind of singing schools and I reckon when I was about 12, my dad um, was like, that's it, I wanted to go to a really good singing teacher. So he, he sought out um, a guy called Brian Gilbertson. I don't know if you okay. know. Yeah. He's the director of the Christmas pageant. Sure. Um, and he's actually like an incredible opera singer. And so I went to him, but I was like a really like 
I was just going through puberty. I was really bitchy. <laughs> and I just wanted to sing Mariah Carey. That's all I wanted diva. to do. I was diva. such a diva. And I was like, I can sing. I'm fine. I don't need you. And he was like that teacher. He was like in the Karate Kid, like the mean teacher. Oh, yeah. And he was so mean in the first few years and he was, but he did really well with me and he just kind of was like, forget everything, you know. And I was like, I don't want to be an opera singer. I'm not going to teach you opera. I'm going to teach you how to sing and not damage your voice. And I was like, "Mm, whatever. (laughs) He used to be so mean to me. Um, And he used to cry after singing lessons. And even his wife um, used to pull him in and be like, she's your first child student. Like you can't treat her like an adult kind of thing. And I was, I was so scared of him. Um, but within probably a couple of years, my voice had really changed and I'd, it really started to blossom. And I get, I got to do some great gigs with him and like tour around and cool. do really, really cool stuff as like a 15, 16 year old. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, I've just always sang from that. So I used to do all the really like really bad talent shows like Search for a Star and everything. And I hated them, but mm-hmm. that's just what you did when you yeah, were that yeah. age. Uh, and then I went into, everyone was like, oh, you have to audition for the X Factor and everything. So I did all of that and, you know, got, I think I got into the top 20 of Ronan Keating's first year. Okay. And I was like, he's such a jerk, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's so weird, like, because you watch this stuff on TV and even my younger cousins now go, oh my God, it's amazing. It's like, it's not what it seems sure. at all. Like it's yeah. really produced. produced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like, I remember walking off a bus with 60 other contestants eight times so that they could get the shot. Like, yeah. no, no, get back on the bus. <laughs> come off. No, be more excited. No, no, you at the back, put your hands up. No, no. Now we want you to come off the bus looking sad. No, do that again. Like, so that's yeah. kind of how it works. Yeah. So it's, yeah, wow. it's really, um, you know, I just think I found that really quite um, confronting and I think yeah. I found it a bit traumatic to be honest and I really didn't like how they, like they would have you in a room for oh, like 20 hours and you'd just be doing audition after audition mm. and you just have some water, there's no food, like they're just you're just sitting on the ground, it's cold mm. or it's hot and then they get you in to do like your song and then the judge like will come in for the end of it. They don't even hear all of it. Oh, wow. And then they're like, oh, you know, what, what, you know, do you, do you really want this? You know, and, and by that point I'm thinking like, no, I just <laughs> want to go. I just want some, I'm just hungry and cold. I just want to have a shower. But, you know, like when you're young, you just don't really know what, what you want. I'm thinking, yeah, I really want this. Like I want to, maybe I want to be famous. And, um, and then after that, and, you know, when you get let go, like, I'm sorry, please step forward. You're x-factor journey is now over please say goodbye to the rest of the crew Mm. so some people get really upset and there's cameras just waiting for them to Mm. capture that and so then they just follow you for the next six hours like around and you're like they're like you know and they're trying to really get get you like so are your dreams over do you feel devastated like (laughs) do you feel like you've given up everything for this no i'm fine so they didn't get anything out of me because (laughs) i was like i'm not playing this game i just just want to go home Um, but I think after that I had to really reevaluate, like, what do you want to do with this? Do you want to be a famous singer? Mm-hmm. Like, I guess you grow up thinking maybe I could be Mariah Carey, maybe I could do that. Mm-hmm. And then you go, no, actually you don't really want to do that. Like I, 
I want to just find my peace with what I want to do and whether that is cabaret or whether that is singing in a band or something. I guess my upbringing was kind of a bit of that pop music, but I also really love Aussie music. So I love Midnight Oil. I love Cold Chisel. Like there's generally a Cold Chisel song in every single one of my shows, even Comfort Food Cabaret. I can get one in there. I'm like, I'm putting this in there. (laughs) Um, So I probably find that stuff balances me a bit. And Mm. I guess I just went, I don't know if I want this and I want to be able to be a bit more creative and, I think there's always that family pressure as well. They're like, oh, you know, you're such a great singer. Why don't you do this? And it's like, because I don't want to. I don't want to do the voice anymore. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm really happy with where I'm at. And I guess with Comfort with Cabaret, it's probably the best thing I've ever done. It's the most successful thing I've ever done. And now that's probably, I guess, paving a new path for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pardon the pun, but like, you know, it's, I guess it's, um, you know, opening doors for me that I didn't really expect and you know sometimes you don't really know how that's going to happen but it just has happened so I think I just got into singing as a youngster thinking I wanted to be some pop star Mm -hmm. and then changing my opinions over the years of actually no I don't want that like I love my home I love having my dogs around like I don't want to be on a plane all the time mm, like yeah, I like yeah. I like being here yeah and I like that but I think the dream is very different from the reality much, it is. much like those those TV shows yeah I, I find it I've got a I've got a cousin who's a, a really talented singer singer songwriter and he's he's 17 I think and he I think he's he's gone onto some of these shows and it's sort of I don't know the the impetus to, to get onto it I, I don't know when I when I grew up like that was very much you know you wouldn't do no. that it was more like you know do pub gigs and you know, I suppose follow more of that kind of underground yeah. route in terms of music because the, the the TV shows are kind of the new record labels, aren't they? Mm. Sort of, you know, you mm. go and get your your deal or your yeah. sort of uh, your package to go and you know maybe something's going to come Absolutely. out of this. Absolutely, yeah. But, you know, it's very manufactured. Yeah, and I think even like what, like I guess you know what what you guys do is probably even disrupting that now, like because it's. You know, there are people out there who are going, no, I don't want to go on The X Factor. I don't want to mm. do that. I'm going to write my own music and produce sure. it completely independently. And yeah. if you're good, if you're savvy with that, you can do that very, very well. Sometimes yeah. you don't need the record. You don't need the TV mm. show yeah, and things yeah. like that. Yeah, the, yeah the you don't need that. Tools are yeah, you've, you've got it. You can mm-hmm. do that. Like I could build my own website if I wanted. I could, yeah. you know, I can do different things YouTube. social media-wise, yeah. YouTube. Mm. There's so much you can do now. So everything seems to just be disrupting every model and you know I can I just watch these I saw an ad this morning for the voice um like the new blind auditions and like the stuff they do in the ads now you're like wow you're getting really desperate like they're really getting because I just think that people are tuning out because Mm. they're going yeah I don't know I don't know if I want like you know every like every bit of um reality tv has changed like you know we've gone from like the bachelor to like all of the bachelor rejects stuck on an island getting sure. drunk yeah. like yeah. now all hooking up with each other yeah. like we've gone from like sub, you know sub reality yeah we've got we've, we've we've got a singing tv show where now they they don't even look at you and now they turn they swing around on their chairs mm, you know artificially sure. like you know yeah. we've How got fuck are they yeah yeah and we, you know we've got my kitchen rules which is probably more about the the fighting at the table and the personalities and the food like we've got yeah. really really different um, things now with, with reality TV so I think that everything is just being disrupted and they just can't keep up so I do like that because I think it's great to see artists I love seeing like a musician a singer songwriter make good from just their own tools and just mm-hmm. be able to do that. Like yeah. there's nothing better. You're like, good on yeah. you. Like you didn't have to do that and didn't have to go through that. And that's always good mm-hmm. as well. But there's a whole, like, I think there's, there's a whole 
you know, subgenre of, well, it's not even a subgenre, but, you know, like all the Vice stuff, so Action Bronson and these kind of, like these YouTube kind of food shows yeah. that are kind of more in Absolutely. line with, you know, the way we think and talk mm. and act and, and what we're interested in that don't have that gloss of mm. kind of a yeah. TV Swedish cooking meal shows. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's right. Absolutely, like, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, and even look, at I look at Jamie Oliver when he started as like the naked chef yeah. and to now, I'm like, oh, wow, things have changed, yeah, haven't yeah, they? Yeah. <laughs> it was the really like raw values. back then. It was so yeah, raw, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, some yeah. of the stuff it's that... makeup on. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bee watches, I mean, some of the like Japanese oh, stuff. Yeah, that yeah my, my, like my wife, all she watches is Japanese people eating as much food as it possibly can. <laughs> oh, really? Mm. Giant bowl of noodles, things like that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. These are like there you se- go. serious YouTube channels with like, yeah. like that are making yeah. like millions yeah. of subscribers watching mm. this. And it is funny, like mm. we always joke about this at home, but my husband's 11 years older than me. So he would always, like, we bought a Weber and he said, mm. oh, okay. Let's plug that. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, sorry? Oh, we've done work for Weber. Uh, well. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, we, we bought a Weber and he went, oh, okay, well, how long do we put the turkey on the Weber for? And I was like, oh, okay, hold on. So he went to go to, the, to, to get the instructions to have a recipe book. Mm. And I was just on YouTube. I was like, oh, I've got a YouTube channel. And he was just flabbergasted. Mm. He was like, do you YouTube everything? And this is before we were been together for a while. I said, mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I do. I YouTube yeah, everything. Like, sure. I had a flat tire the day, so I YouTubed how to change yeah. a tire. Like, yeah. you can YouTube yeah. anything. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. Google anything. Yeah. And he's now starting to Google things if he has a question. <laughs> <because> <laughs> like, but, you know, he's like, he would generally go to a recipe book or the instruction manual. Mm. Whereas I'm like, yeah, there's yeah. surely like a YouTube video that will teach me how to use our air conditioner. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, or cook on yeah. our Weber. Like, yeah. you know, that's, and that's and how we do. you get very niche and very sort yeah. of arcade. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I, I probably do that like once every day. Like I was, I had a voucher sure. to use today and I was like, I'm making some pastry for Tasting Australia and I'm going to get some pastry weights. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, oh, what's that? It's a pastry, it's a butter cutter. Why do you need a butter cutter? Mm. I'll YouTube it. Mm. I'll Google it. I went, YouTube, mm. butter cutter. There's a lady like using the butter cutter. I went, oh, well, that's, well, I'm going to get one of them. <laughs> a, a good tip, which is very obvious to people that actually cook pastry a lot, but when you're using rice as the, uh, as the, as the weight, you, yeah. you need to put uh, baking paper down first. Yes, right. I do know that. I, I did, I, and I didn't learn the hard way. I saw that Me on too. a YouTube video. <laughs> I, was, I was picking rice out of my pie the other week. Yeah, yeah okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I just bought some pastry weights today. I was like, mm. let's yeah, do I this. bought some too after that. Oh. <laughs> also, don't use gluten-free. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, gluten-free pastry is not great. Yeah. Is it? I haven't been able to make it. No, no. Nah, no, so hard. A test who works with us. I, I cook Nick and Tess pizza, but I tried. I tried to make it from scratch, thinking I'll, I'll, I'll do pizza it. Pizza dough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But the gluten-free, it just stuck. Yeah. It just. It, and it's and really it, hard. And it like crumbled. And it was. Yeah. It was a, yeah. You always wonder how. Me and like Sam had like these glorious pizzas, and Tessa was like this kind of just <laughs> demented, crumbly, just a blob. <laughs> Do you want some bread with your cheese? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, no. It's always good, but yeah, I think it's great that you can actually just like watch a program and learn a recipe these days. Yeah, yeah that's always. And fun. music yeah. too. I mean, think yeah. about you know, the, you know, I used to play guitar when I was a kid, but you know, you go to the store and buy mm. like a music book and even finding tab then was you know quite difficult now, now you can just on. it's yeah. anything like anything you want to learn yeah. like I, I mean especially in the pr- careers that we're in um everything's available yeah, to, to learn is, mm. definitely yeah. yeah cooking is a big one though because essentially you become like a like a master chef really yeah, just right. by watching videos yeah mm, you do mm. 
you can pretty much cook anything you want. I find now that I do go to cookbooks a lot though. Like I, I like cookbooks. Yeah, like yeah. I like, yeah. especially, especially ones that have the, the more of the story behind it and some, mm. some of the, yeah. the background. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to just a recipe. Yeah. Everyone buys me cookbooks because mm. they go, oh, Michelle loves cooking. So she loves cookbooks. <laughs> but I never use them because I always YouTube everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, and everyone's like, do you have this cookbook? Oh, no. I don't need any more. Don't buy me a cookbook. <laughs> I'm fine. Thanks. <laughs> cool. So um, before we wrap up, uh, if you want to give us a bit more info about the shows, are they all sold out or is there no. some tickets available? So we've got two shows for Tasting Australia. We've got uh, one on the 14th of April and one on the 20th. The one on the 14th sold out before we could even advertise it, oh, probably amazing. because we were talking about it during the Fringe, right. so that helped. And then um, we've got we've added another one on the 20th of April and that's at Crack Kitchen. Uh, I think it's $120, $125. Mm-hmm. That includes three-course meal, all the entertainment um, and wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are doing that at Crack Kitchen. You can book via Tasting Australia. Um, and, yeah, just look for the one um, saying April 20th because when you go and look for it, it just says sold out. Mm-hmm. But there is another one. <laughs> we'll chat the link up as well. Yeah, yeah, it's good, yeah. So to um, finish off, what if you had one last dinner, the death row dinner, what would it be? Oh, spaghetti bolognese. Oh, that's yeah. mine too. Yeah, I love spaghetti wow. bolognese. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think it's, sure. one, it's one of those ones that you just oh, can't go past. Yeah. We, we actually we did a fancy version of it last year in the show that we did a like a ragu with like spaghetti. Oh, nice. and that was yummy. But yeah, parmesan cheese. Too much oh, parmesan. Yeah. Too much yeah. parmesan. Mm. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so yeah. much. No, for thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Mm. Thanks. Thank no you. Worries. See you, guys. Thanks. See ya. Bye.